Good evening, heavyweight champs, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. I'm trying to read it like Nick Cage. Uh, each month, a different friend will select <laughs> a different triple feature for the friends who enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Uh, tonight, we're finishing up my delightful De Palma triple feature with 1998's Snake Eyes, starring Nick Cage, Gary Sinise, and Carla Gugino. Written by David Kep or Keop, and directed by Brian it's De Palma. Kep. It's Kep. Kep. Okay. I figured, but it's one of those weird looking ones. Anyways. Um, you know, it's interesting. He wrote, he wrote Mission Impossible as well. So they wrote they did two movies yeah. back to back with each other. Two oh. very good movies. Okay. He also wrote Jurassic Park. Yeah. And Spider-Man 2. Didn't he also write 7? Or no? Maybe. Mm, he wrote maybe. something with Fincher, I think. Let me he's, look him up. He wrote Indy 4, too. He also the best di- one. He also directed Premium Rush. Which I is, like that movie. R- God damn, what is going on today, you guys? <laughs> Premium Rush has Michael Shannon in it, and, it, and I still fucking hate it. I thought, see, this is the thing with Premium Rush. I went to go see it with my dad on like a Sunday afternoon, and it dude. was just like a perfectly passable weekend kind of killing an afternoon movie. Dude, that's beautiful. <sighs> it was good. I enjoyed it. I wanted, I wouldn't, it, to, I wouldn't I wanted it to be. Yeah. I, I don't mind. There's a funniness to like, it's going to be a thriller about guys on bikes. I like that. Right. But it just was like too stupid. So I'm going to real quick go through his highlights. Uh, so Toy Soldiers. Supposed to be pretty good. Jurassic <laughs> Park. <one. laughs> oh, he wrote uh, Carlito's Way. I'm just going in chronological order. Secret so he, Window. Carlito's Way. Well, so De Palma was Carlito's Way. Uh, the Shadow, Mission Impossible, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, uh, Snake Eyes, Panic Room. That was what he did with Venture. Okay. Oh, and then yeah. Spider Man. He wrote the Raimi Spider Man. Yeah, I guess Secret I would. Window. It seems like this guy is a good writer, but they've made really bad movies with his writing and really good movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's just probably part of being screenwriter. Who's the... He wrote Mordecai. He wrote a book recently, too, that, like, was about a pandemic, I think. And The Mummy. He wrote The Mummy. So, hmm, I wonder, was Tom Cruise responsible for bringing him on for that? Probably. Oh, he directed Mordecai? Wow. Oh, so he can't direct. His directing track record is pretty consistent. (laughs) And remember that movie Ghost Town (laughs) that we saw with Ricky Gervais? Uh, yeah. Yes. He directed that. He also directed uh, Stir of Echoes, and I think that that is a very passable uh, early aughts uh, horror movie. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I've never heard of that. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon vehicle. I like Kevin Bacon. The Bacon movie. It's also from 99. Okay, well, whatever. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, who doesn't like Kevin Bacon? I don't think he's gotten his do really i don't think he's i don't think he's gotten his due and i think he he has he has both not gotten his due and become a meme and embraced being a meme and somehow that's all mm-hmm. worked together to make him like a person that no one can dislike i think andrew had you seen snake eyes before <laughs> <laughs> yes mike i have seen snake eyes before i saw it um it was like uh, a double f- i remember my earliest memory of Snake Eyes was it being promoted as a double feature with 8mm, another Nicolas Cage movie. Huh. And and then I saw it a few years later, and I didn't come away with much. And then I think you and I talked about it. It was during 
a couple of years ago when when I was going through all of De Palma's movies and we were kind of talking every day about De Palma. Yeah. And I watched Snake Eyes and um and I liked it was more memorable to me. I liked there were some things that I really really like about it. Um and then when I watched it the other night, I realized there's also some things I really really don't like about it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh Kit, had you seen Snake Eyes before? Or do you want to wait? Hold on, I'm chewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you would talk for longer. Um This episode is brought to you by <laughs> Snacky Cakes. Uh no, I had not. I started watching it on YouTube like months ago, maybe a year ago at this point, and then I don't know, I stopped. Um so I'd kind of seen the beginning. But but I might have stopped watching it because <laughs> I talked to you guys about it. And I mean, we hadn't planned a podcast, but it was like, oh, we might watch this someday as part of a thing. So I, that might be why I didn't watch it. Um, but no, I had not seen it. Okay. Yeah. And I guess I only saw it for the first time a few years ago. I remember, so I would have been 12 when this came out. And I remember seeing the commercials for it. And it was a fairly high budget movie, um, probably coming off of Mission Impossible. De Palma was able to get like 70 some million for this Um 70 million and i was always curious about it but i just never got around to it like I, I don't i think it did fine in theaters but it wasn't like a big hit and uh it was rated r so that was probably another reason that, like i couldn't go see it by myself and then i just never picked it up to rent it but uh but yeah but i watched it for the first time a few years ago and i loved it and now i by now i've probably seen it like four or five times and uh it's one of my favorite De Palma movies might be one of my just you know if we're talking like top 250 it's definitely in there 100 i'm not sure but it's a very good movie. Or I, I like it quite a bit. So it made a hundred million dollars. Okay. And it cost seventy-five million dollars. So Okay. So yeah. it's not Yeah. I mean, probably it, it didn't make its you. it no. I mean it didn't make its marketing budget back. Maybe by now with all of the DVD sales and stuff. Okay. Why did it cost Possibly. so much? But yeah, I could see I could so I think I don't know, I'm just this is just conjecture, but it feels like you know, De Palma cashed in his Mission Impossible cred to make this movie. Yes. And yeah, then, and you can, I, I and, feel like there's scenes in this where it's like he's just in a candy store. Like, oh, they, for uh, sure. The scene when they're in the their security camera room at the casino, I was like, this is De Palma in a candy store. Like, literally, there's just like cameras everywhere from every angle, and you can like, uh, yeah, you can see he was having a lot of fun. And then like with the hotel. And, and honestly, I think that's part of why I like this movie so much. I think... I actually think the script is very good and I like the themes uh, and it's very close to blowout in a lot of ways. Oh um, yeah. It does feel but... like, it does feel like De Palma finding a reason to use kind of all his tricks, you know, yeah. like it's, it's De Palma having the resources and a story idea to make the ultimate De Palma movie. Yes. And like... it really like in a lot of ways, it feels like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think just in terms of my personal enjoyment of this movie, like I like movies where it's raining outside. I like just like, <laughs> I don't know why I just like that atmosphere. I like casinos. I like movies that take place in casinos. I like movies that take place Me in too. hotels. And then the arena in this movie is also very cool. And like, I just like a good setting can like really make a movie for me. Um, so I think that all of those, I mean, this movie has all of those things and it's just like so cleverly mm -hmm. and creatively shot. I really like how they enjoyable. were in a casino. And Nick Cage is just great. What's that? I really liked how they were in a casino. Yeah. Yeah. The casino is really cool. Um, yeah. Just lots of uh, visual fun. 
But so um, I guess let's see. What do you guys do? You want to do notes, or do you want to do like what your opinions on it were, or what's uh, somebody? Usually, one of you takes off. I guess I had a sugary pastry this morning, so maybe I'm talking too much. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take notes. I felt like I had to really watch this one uh, just to. I don't know. Look for detail. I, I I wanted to like enjoy the mystery, but then I yeah. I had forgotten that the mystery is like is kind of revealed like not that far into the movie. Yeah. Do you not like as soon as you see Gary Sinise go like that's a bad guy? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> pretty not much. because it's Gary Sinise, but because it's like a military guy in a De Palma movie. And <laughs> Nicolas Cage seems to love him so much. It's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I love the part, like, after they have that talk kind of in the conference room between just the two of them. Like, and you already, you know, Gary Sinise is going to be the bad guy. But, like, Sinise, like, walks out of the room and he goes into this hallway that's lit by the red emergency sign. And, like, the music is like, dun, mm -hmm. dun, dun, yeah. dun. And there's all this thunder and stuff. That's great. <laughs> I don't think I like Gary Sinise. I feel like that's a betrayal of my city. To say that because he's such he's so important to Chicago. Yeah. But I don't think he's a very good actor. Really? Okay. Okay. I, I always even, think Apollo 13, but yeah, I don't know. What's your deal, man? This is Gary Sinise. <laughs> I like Gary Sinise, yeah. I don't I don't think he's that good in this. He's fine. But he's not very he's not scary like John Lithgow was. And so much of this mm. movie I was like this is basically a sequel to Blowout or like a remake of Blowout in certain ways, not in a bad way. But <laughs> I was definitely thinking along those lines and I was like, Lithgow was so scary. And Sinise is just like, I don't know. It's like I want him almost to be less evil because I want him to just be doing what he thinks is right. Yeah. But he's like a <laughs> very mean guy. <laughs> well, he does kind of he is very cold. And he's definitely an evil guy, but like, um, I don't remember exactly what scene, but he's talking with Cage about like the incident. Like, I think it was like the Nel yeah. Neville incident or something um, where he watched all the soldiers die. And so that's oh. the reason he's doing this big thing with the weapons defense system. I also don't understand his motivation because when he tells that again, this was a tough movie for me to understand for sure. Um, okay. Not for the movie's fault, but probably, but my own. But uh, I don't when he when he I think explains it's the movie's fault a little bit. Okay. When 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 Gary Sinise explains like, you know, he's basically this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm like, so you don't want more soldiers to die, so you're trying to get a weapons system that doesn't work? Right. Greenland? Yeah, I do. It, I agree. Yeah, the whole thing is like we'll get it through and then we'll fix it while we while we're getting ourselves killed with it. I, I right. Uh, well, it, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it, doesn't it, hold together under much scrutiny. Yeah, at best he's just justifying it to himself because he's making a ton of money off of it. Yeah, but um, I'm see, like, but what they is don't, he? But they don't say. Do, do they no. say that? Yeah, he, I didn't realize that he was making money and how. John Hurd's oh, making from money from the hotel guy. Yeah, the hotel guy's making money. John Hurt, like there's other people who are making money who are supporting him. But that but I don't... seems like a flawed sure. idea too because kind of the biggest moment of him like insulting Nicolas Cage is when he says like, I picked you because I knew we could pay you off. But yeah. if like, but if like, and he seems to like lord that over Nicolas Cage, but then if he's doing the same exact fucking thing, I thought like it was really for like military or career reasons or something, but... 
I don't know, is he afraid that if they don't push this through, then they'll, like, cut the budget for, like, military spending or something? Uh, uh, I mean, that is technically how budgets work, but, like, <laughs> what, I, they don't, but, like, that's not in the movie, and you can't expect people to know that. See, that's what, it, that, that was kind of my problem with this movie, is just, there's, there's, there's a lot of, people explaining things to me that doesn't that don't ever like it doesn't ever feel fully explained and then there's stuff that just kind of feels like it sort of just happens mm -hmm. uh like the last uh where he's where he's where i'm jumping to the end but where like nick cage is walking to where carlo gugino is or whatever and then like the the storm causes the like he's supposed to die and then the car busts through and it's the cops luckily it's just like it's just that stupid. I was very surprised like, it, that I don't think... by because it was like a total accident, right? It's an accident, and it just oh, it's the police. Oh, how convenient! It's uh, it's sort of frustrating because I think that there are things in this movie that feel so amazingly crafted and well loved, and then mm -hmm. and then the ending just feels like uh, who could give a fuck? Uh, it feels yeah. like it feels like. They didn't. It feels like the script doesn't care. It feels like De Palma doesn't care, uh, and that's frustrating because it's like I was. Compl I'm completely invested. There are points in this movie where I'm so intensely invested. Um, yeah. And then other moments that just feel. It just feels to me like De Palma had was in it for the exercise more than for completing the telling of a compelling story. That's what it feels okay. like to me. I do agree that the third act is probably the weakest like part of the movie, mm -hmm. which is not good. Because um, well, it's also not clear when the cops bust in. Like, I think the point was to have Gary Sneeze on TV. I feel like that was where that was going to, is to have like news cameras in his face. But why are the but news cameras in a cop van? They're not. Those guys ran over from the outside, I'm thinking. They were so yeah. okay. All right. It was the, uh, the lady that the, was outside yeah, shooting the Yeah, Tamara Tunney. Okay, yeah. I remember I they, they established her. They established the reporter, but like I don't remember them establishing that the reporter was had like moved to that. It's just like I don't understand the geography of that moment. But I, I guess. don't. I also I don't see why Gary Sinise is caught there. Right, because he's holding a gun. Yes, but he's been holding a gun all night. He's in the military. Front, like, in front of yeah he's there to protect like any he, he didn't say anything in that conversation that he hasn't said anything he's just caught well, holding a gun I right think, i think the reason the jig is kind of up for him then is because there's like carla gugino and nick cage have survived he kind of needed both of them oh he didn't kill them in time okay right he needed both of them gone because otherwise they're very big loose ends that could like she has that folder that has the Mm -hmm. information that she was trying to pass to the department right. uh, secretary of defense or whatever um and so it's interesting it's, that the news seems to know that though because they're like you know what i mean like well, it's as if they know he's a bad guy because he's being yeah, like because it just holds the camera on him like yeah. waiting for him to say something not or, like you the know. bloody guy and the right so kidnapped this is, lady with that end scene i think that so we have watched for this triple, we've watched what I think are three like excellent De Palma movies. Uh, the the ending of Snake Eyes, though, I do agree. It's one of his kind of limper set pieces, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel as inspired as like 
um i mean blowout or mm-hmm. uh which was which was rock hard right <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. uh or just like a lot of like um yeah but it's it's interesting too because i think like he did a movie called passion i think it was like um it was rachel mcadams and uh like around 2012 yeah and that movie is visually just like it's gorgeous like everything about that movie is so wonderful visually but then the story is awful and it's kind of like uh i think i can't remember how you said it andrew but that you didn't say uninspired but you said uh oh gosh anyways like what movie oh, you said he was doing it as an exercise uh just yeah, 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 in reference yeah, yeah. to snake yeah, yeah, guys you said he okay. was doing this more for the exercise so but yeah and, and i think he is what hurts his films the weak ones that i've seen is that he doesn't care about story in the way that um as a as a viewer we go into a movie caring about the story so sometimes if he i think if he doesn't have like a real like if his heart's not fully in a story or if he hasn't had a writer with him that thinks it out with him you know and like he he wrote blowout so obviously he can he can do a great story i know sometimes it's like, so perfect um, what's I, that i didn't know sometimes that. there's there's such perfect stories like blowout is so perfect it's such a yeah. perfect script yeah and so, has I mean, one of the best endings ever right he can definitely <laughs> that's that's what i mean so he can when i think when he's like fully in it he can really do it and i feel like in snake eyes i think he's really in it for a lot of the movie but i think he doesn't care as much about because to me the story feels kind of like a popcorn movie like it doesn't really feel like as from the heart as blowout um i think there is a lot of commentary in there like and so it's it's not i don't know it's not just like a fluff movie but i guess what i'm trying to say is i feel like um yeah that his some of his movie like raising cane is another movie where it's like there's a set piece at the end that is just so bonkers and just like completely crazy and it really doesn't make i mean it makes sense within the terms of the story kind of but it's just like it's not called for by anything in the plot it's just he wanted to do you can see he just wanted to do this thing uh visually and so that's that's a fault but i mean it can it's it can be a strength when you when it's in service of a great story uh but i think but even in this it doesn't even feel like a good set piece like it's just kind of like they're in yeah. this weird little shed off the I side was sh- of the i know i was shocked building. to find out that she was on the ground floor that whole time like she's just at street level like yeah. didn't it seem like she was like up in some crazy attic or like space above the above the arena and it's like no it's literally on the other side of this flimsy ass wall yeah is the outside it's which like she is so desperately trying out. to get to yeah, yeah. <laughs> she could have got well yeah, yeah. like at one point through that wall <laughs> yeah the, the pierce thing pierces through the wall she could just <laughs> probably have climbed over that it's like one um, sheet of metal it seems like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh so yeah i think it, that's a weakness i think the end of the movie is a weakness um but yeah but for, for me that's so much about the rest of the movie like i'm already just so excited by it that i was like okay like it ended and like you know uh, I don't think it's awful, but it is, it's much weaker than like the highest points of this movie. So that's kind of odd. Yeah. Like you I, compare the last 10 minutes to the first 10 minutes and it's like, what? Yeah. Like, oh what, yeah. You know, yeah. Totally different. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I really sincerely wish they had just found a more interesting, like backstory and motivation, like, or just even like less of one, I guess. Like, why, like, it has to be this whole, like, military plot or whatever. 
and then they have to find some way. This whole thing that happened before the movie started that is way too complex that they bring into a movie that is already, I think, kind of visually complex. And then it's like, I don't know if, and then I'm, I don't know if I can be depended on to, to, to care about both, I guess. I think one of the great things about Blowout that we all really like is that you're very much in, like as an audience aligned with John Travolta, where like, he just, he doesn't get to know everything that happened or why, and he doesn't get it no nothing there's no resolution at the end like nothing comes of all of his work i'm not saying that snake eyes has to do the exact same thing and cage's character is an actual detective so he might need to do a little better at gathering information but i didn't get the same and i, and I do enjoy the movie it's fun but you don't get the same sense of like thrill when like cage is discovering like that there's that the punch was fake or right. you know that kind of thing yeah. or when he sees that blimp camera like the millionth camera like yeah. <laughs> like there be it's like the the mo the movie doesn't like blowout treats such small pieces of information with such like huge reverence and it's so exciting to see that to see each thing rolled out and then this movie is so flashy that some of that stuff doesn't seem as high stakes because it's like, you know, there's always noise and stuff. But like in other ways, I don't want to just like compare it negatively to blowout. Like I thought the boxing scene and I fucking hate boxing. <laughs> I hate boxing, but the boxing scene is so pretty. And I also felt so like, emotionally invested in that guy having to throw the fight like yes. how that i don't know who that actor is i've never seen him in anything else but um, he his name is stan shaw he hasn't been in a ton of stuff but he was in uh like daylight um yeah I looked him up he was in yeah he's been in some small stuff i thought or, he I mean, was he's so, been in some big stuff but small roles he was so good in the just like in through his like face showing how bummed he was yeah, <laughs> to like be having to to throw this fight, and when he almost wins on accident and all that, like that was really interesting. I wonder if like De Palma talked to Scorsese or something about how to shoot boxing because there were yeah. certain things that really looked Raging Bull ish for sure. See, I I kind of dis. I think I think that opening, uh, ten or fifteen minutes or whatever that whole that first oneer. I think everything is treated with importance. I think that's one of the benefits of shooting it as a oneer and the way the camera moves is it feels like okay these are all details um which I, I like that i just don't feel like when those details like come to fruition that it's they not necessarily feel as important as important as we're set up to believe maybe you would right. i agree like the entirety like yeah. the fun thing about blow up blowout is that you the entire movie is spent unfolding this one fucking thing and that's what you think this is gonna be like you think that the whole movie is gonna be all the little details that happen in that first 10 minutes are gonna be examined and somehow play into the mystery and like it's not that and that is kind of disappointing <laughs> yeah like, that's, you, there's you, that's some <laughs> of it but it's like 
a lot of the movie is not that. You kind yeah. of you kind of hope like that it's about like the, the the title Snake Eyes is is also about like him like going through mm-hmm. the detail like the details of mm-hmm. and it is sort of but it's like it's more just like him imagining stuff I feel like but like there's so much that happens that he sees and I mm-hmm. feel like we I feel like they could have exploited that more throughout the movie like where well, you, go ahead sight is like incredibly important to the movie yes. and like there's so many shots where they're like pov shots um we there are some times where we're like we see nick cage in the background doing his thing that we saw him do in the beginning but from tyler's perspective or something yeah. that's like yes 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 and <laughs> then the part where carla cagino like doesn't have her glasses i'm like what an interesting like simple problem yeah. to to really raise the stakes of this you know situation she's in um, that uh, that other movies just like never pay attention to that kind of thing. Like when a character loses their glasses, they can't see anymore. <laughs> um, they just want the they just want the shot of like the glasses being crushed under someone's shoe, and then they move on. Like all that stuff is so exciting, and it's like if because I think I'm not sure, but I think in the De Palma documentary he talks about, or we also talked about this in the podcast, but the opening of um, blowout. No, the, the Orson Welles, the long take. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, oh, touch, uh, of touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. And how, like, it actually doesn't have a ton to do with the movie. Like, this one seems like, okay, this is your entire movie. We're going to spend the rest of the movie yeah. uh, just unraveling this 10-minute period. Right. How is that not what it is? Is that just too hard? <laughs> like, yeah. like if anyone can, if anyone can do it, I think it's De Palma, but Well, and maybe that's why the third act is kind of the weakest is that mm-hmm. by then we've really we fully explored from each perspective that first uh, 10 to 12 minutes or whatever it is. And from there, you know, it sounds like you guys just aren't as inter- like and I I totally understandably it's just kind of like okay, like we've we've gotten all of this wrapped up and solved and the rest of it is kind of like appended to the you know, like explaining Gary Sinise's motives mm-hmm. and things like that is all just kind of like, okay, like we're a little less interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has less to do with this opening. I mean, it, you know, it does, it has everything to do with that opening scene, but it's just not like part of what happened in that opening 10, 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, that, that opening is, is held, uh, is held up with such importance. Yeah. And it's in the, every, it's, in every it's aspect the best. of how it's made. And then the rest of some of, you know, some of the, the later bits just don't, they don't feel like they're uh, they'd have the connective tissue to. to and it's the best filmmaking. Like mm-hmm. it's the most excited you are watching the movie. There's nothing more exciting than that for the rest of the movie, which is not great for the films like Pacey, <laughs> you yeah. know, that you're not like more excited when Gary Sinise is following him in the hallway, even though that's like a cool part like you yeah. know and the shadow flashing and all that stuff like that's f- cool but it's like is it as good as the scene in the the stadium or the arena no right i wonder if so i i'm thinking back to the first time i watched this movie it was one that i you know for basically 20 years had just like been aware of but just never gotten around to and i was already in like my full swing with the palma fan um and I was so like thrilled and elated by like the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. just because like 
I, I was like, it was sort of that type of thing where you're like, this has been here all along. How did nobody tell me to watch Snake Eyes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like I was saying a few minutes ago, like I just I, like I like the atmosphere of this movie, like mm-hmm. the casino, the hotel, uh, the arena, and then the rainstorm, like the hurricane and stuff like that. So I wonder if it was just like I was part of why the movie works for me, because I do agree with everything you guys are saying about how the movie just almost gets I mean, gets weaker as it goes on. But like, I wonder for me if it's like it just stayed because I'm like, I'm just happy to be here. Like, I, you know, like and like I re- I think the scene where they cut over the, the Sinise yeah. is looking for uh, Gugino mm-hmm. uh, and the, they, the camera floats over a bird's eye view of the hotel rooms. Yeah, um, that's very cool. I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, there's, there's, there's stuff like that too. well into the movie, you know, that it's just like it's fun and it's just it's i don't know it's just all really cool but it's I, like I, but at but the I, same time i agree i do kind of wonder i was thinking about that that particular shot and mm-hmm. it's very cool i love it yeah i would not pull it out of the movie but it does like but what is it what does that matter i guess i thought right. the exact same thing yeah. it because... sort of feels it feels like De palma again cashing in his chips he's like he can do he made mission <laughs> yeah. impossible he made a movie yeah. with the biggest movie star so he can do whatever he wants now yeah, and like they had well, to, Kane they was had huge to at the time. What's that? It, you know, did you say he? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I'm he, talking about Tom. I'm just saying he made a movie with Tom Cruise and it was successful as all. Well. Right, right. Um, so he's a big director now. He can do, he can do whatever. And it just, mm-hmm. I mean, they had to build those rooms, right? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to create that shot. Uh, and it's it's very well choreographed. Like it just well, and it's beautiful. Like the it's like gorgeous. the way the rooms look. Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's so cool. So it's just like yeah, I. I it's but but what is it what does it matter i guess that's that's and that's was my thing in watching it is like it's beautiful it's very reminiscent of the opening of blowout um this movie also opens with us looking through another camera like a just like blowout does also yeah but this movie is so much about different human beings perspectives on, on a thing and cameras perspectives on a thing like it's about perspectives of of eyes seems like what it's about and then this Mm -hmm. shot could not possibly be from any eye right (laughs) like that's what i was thinking watching it is like god this is really cool it looks great like it's really interesting but is it undercutting the main theme of the film (laughs) which is like you know eyes both human and you know digital or whatever seeing things right yeah i don't know i think i agree that it really doesn't nothing really calls for it um but it's a it's kind of like we're saying like i really like it i like the way it looks so much and i just think it's such a cool thing to do that i it doesn't it didn't pull me out of the movie uh and to me it was just a cool way to show him searching because he's like listening to what's going on in all the different rooms and but it wasn't necessarily like, oh, that calls for this, you know, very elaborate bird's eye view shot. See, Although that's it might not a, be that elaborate. But. That's an idea, I think. I think, yeah. but I don't I don't think the movie communicates that very well. Okay. I think if, well, I, I think... At, at least at that point, like it, I think he, maybe this is a, a, a moment in editing where he failed to kind of kill his darlings a little bit. Like, because I think if you were to break up that shot and maybe have it, focus more on like Sinise, like maybe a, a back mm-hmm. and forth, like some parallel uh-huh. cutting or whatever, where it's like he's hearing one room and just just basically drawing that connection more clearly during that shot because they do it in other parts of the sequence. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you break completely 
just to go to this overhead shot. Mm-hmm. But then I if you break like it up, would... it's not as it's not as it's not as impressive anymore. I okay. think that would yeah. make more sense in a movie about hearing. But I agree with I agree like, with you. But that's like that is that whole sequence is more about hearing anyway. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But if you what if you were above? What if Sinise was? What if you could see Sinise walking through the hallway as yes. you floated by? Like the, so, the hallway was running parallel, or if he was going into each room to check it out, and you saw him doing that. You but, know, hmm. he he's a director that's famous for using split screen, so yeah, maybe, very good point. Maybe a good way to have done it because they do use split screen between Gugino and Sinise. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember when they have like the most it, purposeful split screen in the move in in any of these movies that we've watched in this film and i can't remember exactly what it was but it was where they were showing what was happening in the fight at the same time as they were showing mm-hmm. someone else i think it's yeah it's when she's on the stairs with nick cage and she is recounting her perspective so we're finally getting her slice mm-hmm. of this opening 10 minutes i think that's when it is because i remember at one point she's there her, her wig is off and everybody's scrambling, and then it cuts to Sunny. Oh gosh, maybe that's not right. I don't remember when it is. However, but anyways, what 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 you guys were saying made me think that that to have added some tension, or just to add some I don't know, some razzle dazzle to the uh, scene where he's pursuing her. Maybe split screen could have been used in some kind of way where, uh, yeah. And then it even it could have gone away and then we do this bird's eye view shot. But maybe that would have kind of made that feel a little more called for. Um, or, yeah, you, you could know, because... see Sinise listening at the same time as you're like floating over each room. He's walking by like. Yeah. And, yeah, and kind of cool. reacting, reacting to like what he's hearing in each room yeah. or something. Yeah, because think... even then it could have just be the what's going on bird's eye view because you were talking about perspective being such a crucial part of this movie. It could mm-hmm. have been like maybe what's if we're still seeing him as he's listening and walking by these rooms and we're seeing on the other side of the split screen, we're seeing the overhead. Maybe that's just his imagination of what mm-hmm. must be going on inside that room based on what he hears. Because there are, there um, are imagined like scenes cool. earlier because when Gary Sinise is telling Nicholas Cage, what happened with the redhead and we're seeing that, like, obviously that's a right. lie. So right. yeah. there's a, there's some es- establishment of a trope like that of people, you know, imagining what's going on as opposed right. to actually seeing the facts of it so that could have been cool but at the same time i think it looks so good going overhead that i would almost hate to take up half the screen mm-hmm. with I, yeah but. and i think and i think that kid is still right in that like it doesn't it does sort of undercut what this movie is about i wonder if gaspar noe yeah. was inspired yeah um uh, really yeah. are you serious or are you just i can I see that serious. yeah like in enter the void oh cool is that what you're talking? Oh, do you mm-hmm. hear him say that, or kid? Or no, I'm wondering. I'm oh. I'm just wondering if like yeah, that was mm-hmm. I could totally something see it. he was thinking of. I wonder what Tarantino thought of this one because I know he was a huge De Palma fan. You know, like when he was making Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, he was always talking about De Palma. I wonder what he thought of Snake Eyes. It seemed it seemed um, like it was not very well received critically, and no. Uh, you know, per I, the you know. Enter the Void Wikipedia, Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes and other films with feature hovering overhead shots inspired Noe to make a film largely from such a perspective. Oh, cool. Nice. Good find. Good. Have you seen Enter Look the Void, you. Kid? Good job. 
Um, I've seen some of it. I don't. It's not really okay. Thematically, something I'm interested in. Right. But it gets featured I, in a lot of like you know YouTube criticism. So yeah, I really struggle with his movies because it's like everything about them feels like I should love them, and they just oh, they yeah. always feel like too edgy or something and i'm just like i don't it like even um his the best one he's done um the one where they're all they all have a bad trip and they're all trapped and i can't think what it's called mm-hmm. it just came out a few years ago um yeah i think i sent lee to watch that one possibly okay it was it got under my skin but it, it's and it was very well made but it still was just kind of like it was like well why like with this why did you feel to make this why did you want to tell this story? I guess it's based on a true story. Um, and I guess maybe he just found a really creative and inventive way to shoot it and decided he would do that. But... Climax? Yeah, Climax. That was it. Um, but yeah, because like, you know, and even like Irreversible. Uh, yeah. There's some stuff about that movie that I think is just great. You're talking about, the, then... you're talking about the rape? <sighs> well, uh, no. <laughs> but I mean, just the way that that's, it's filmed. That's the only thing in that movie that feels super edgy to me is yeah. having a shot of Monica Bellucci be brutally raped for five minutes without cutting. Right. And I kind of, well, but then it's also, it, it kind of fl- it, it, it's uh not symmetrical, but like the, the ending and, Oh, doesn't it kind of like loop around? But that's, I haven't seen it for I a think long time. It's 10 minutes. I don't know. By the I way. think that, I think that's such a cool, this really, that's the only one of his movies I've seen that I've, I've really liked. Um, okay. and, and I, I like, that the movie loops around at the end and it's like, Oh, what should be the most, the happiest moment of this movie is actually the most miserable part of the movie. Yeah. I think that's a very cool thing to do. And also it's very, it's shot. I love how it's, I love how that, that there's that last shot at the end of like them happy revealing the news that she's pregnant or whatever. And it's right. like, it's, it's even shot in a way that is like, er, it, like he shot it in, in the most like endearing loving like just it's very sweet but it's just like knowing everything you know that is coming right. it makes it i think that's very cool playing with yeah like, the medium um it is and i think the edgiest thing in that movie to me is the rape and i will and and to that point i would say because i know that there's it's kind of a hot topic where people are like oh is it necessary is it not necessary i don't know i don't know if it is if i don't know if he the camera needed to not move for five minutes yeah. Uh, but Ten I minutes. do think the point is carried across. Uh, yeah. you know, there is I nothing mean, cinematic about that moment. It is just rough. Right. And I, I haven't seen that movie for a long time and I don't remember a ton about it, but I definitely think it's got that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a provocation. Like the, the reason he's done that is partially in service of the story, but it's also like, that's what the movie was famous for. And I'm sure that he, uh, it is you know. why it's famous, yeah. But I, look I at, think yeah. that's I look why people things. have a problem look, with it. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. And I look at I look at other things he's done. Like I, I saw um, I Stand Alone, which is another one of his movies, and like that right. movie is about just a despicable piece of shit who is the protagonist of the movie. And like one of the things he does in that movie is he beats a pregnant woman so bad she has a miscarriage, and it's yeah. just to me that is much more grading like and like like uh, uh, somebody who has is like purposely showing their disdain for their audience um 
but uh yeah i don't know i don't i'm not a necessarily a, like a irreversible stan or anything um but i do think i don't <laughs> I, I think the movie has its merits is all sure no no i don't i don't i all i was saying is i don't i feel like everything i feel like i should really like his movies and then when i see them mm-hmm. i don't get pulled into them for whatever reason and like climax was kind of that way where i felt like i was watching it and i was more often wondering what do I think about this movie than I was thinking, than I was like getting lost in the movie. Sure. Um, and then enter the void, which is a long movie um, to me, enter the void. And I don't remember it very well. I, I felt like it blew its load in like 10 minutes. And then like, and the opening credit sequence is awesome. That's uh mm-hmm. hype Williams. I don't know. If you, have you, have either of you seen? Yeah, it's awesome. The opening credits. Um, but then after that, it's like, I was pretty bored by the remaining three hours. And I get that it like, I guess ties into like, uh, maybe his beliefs on like death and like the Tibetan book of the dead and this kind of like sort of psychedelic death journey type stuff. But it just, for that, it really wasn't, which again, that all sounds like stuff I would be super interested in. And it just, mm-hmm. uh, but, but anyways, enough about Gaspar Nui. Um, <laughs> we're talking about snake, snake eyes today. We are talking about snake eyes. Um, so one thing we haven't mentioned yet that I really liked or I like Mike Starr a lot. He's the guy yeah, who's the casino too. security head of security guy. Oh, he's also yeah. the guy in Dumb and Dumber. I love him. Every he's time in, he pops uh, up in the movie. And he's in Moonstruck. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like him. He's got a real charm to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it also had what's his name? He died recently from Home Alone. John Hurd, yeah. John Hurd, yeah. A lot of like the smaller roles were had were filled by like pretty cool actors yeah you know what yeah you want to to hear something funny that i never noticed before sure so gary sinise's character is named kevin dunn and this movie also features the actor kevin dunn (laughs) weird so i wonder like in my head i was like did that happen after the fact (laughs) like was that just a coincidence yeah that's funny i don't know that's odd what does it mean I don't know, but um, we should make a, a an eight minute YouTube video, uh, you know, like the guy that makes the ones about Kubrick. We should like like dive into this, saying that it was a secret meaning, like a, a a loose a loose change style documentary yeah. about if, Kevin yeah. Dunn. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. That sounds great. Um, I I do want to talk a little bit about Nick Cage in this movie. Um, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think the idea of his character is really really interesting. One mm-hmm. of my favorite parts of the movie is when Carla Gugino tells him yes. what happened and he gets angry at her for it. I yeah. love Cause, it. Because he's kind like, I love that he's just enough of a piece of shit to where you actually believe he might. And maybe I would have, maybe that would have been an interesting way to go too, is like, maybe he's not a hero. Um, I mean, he isn't. Like the movie painstakingly goes mm-hmm. over the fact yeah. that he's not a hero and even like yeah. he like it doesn't even let him be a hero after the fact um he's definitely where the movie is the most different from blowout and real that's where it really subverted my expectations mm-hmm. is that unlike travolta who's just like has no investment really in this like he's completely tertiary to this occurrence and yet he's like obsessed with trying to like yeah go i just I should have made a blowout face-off Snake Eyes triple feature. <laughs> yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been perfect. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Uh, 
crap. <laughs> Next time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kit. No, I just, that's that fine. Popped into my head. But the fact that he, that she, that this guy, when he finds out about all this corruption, he's like making fun of her <laughs> for like yeah. for getting involved, and I'm like, that's really funny and cool and great. Um, yeah. Well, and it it's uh. It makes sense. I mean, because, you know, they're best. He's best friends with Sinise. And so it's like it makes sense that he would really struggle to hear. And he's a corrupt him. cop. So he doesn't oh. give a fuck about oh. corruption either. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like devastated to learn this about Gary Sinise. He'd rather not know. And I like I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of movies that. Acknowledge like if this was like a Mel Gibson movie, like this would never happen, you know, like yeah. you would never, you would never see a guy be like, I'm mostly the emotion I'm feeling is resentment that I have to know this. And now yeah. like I'm responsible for whether the feeling of like, great. So now I'm a bad guy. If I don't do something about this, right. like just cause I happen to hear about it. And then mixed with the emotion of like, obviously and i kind of wish this was explored a little bit more because i think some of the best parts of the movie definitely are how much nicholas cage loves gary sinise and it almost feels like to me i mean the narrative that i was putting on it is that the existence of someone as good and heroic and uncorrupt as gary sinise is what enables nicholas cage to be a huge piece of shit that like and also kind of maybe makes him feel like that's all he can be i don't know but it's like Nicholas Cage's life works because Gary Sinise exists on some level. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then once he finds out, oh, he's a piece of shit too, then like everything that's like devastating to his worldview or something. Um, See, and I feel like that plays into the themes of the movie perfectly. I mean, that's almost, like those are mm -hmm. some of the bigger themes of the movie, but like, like I think you're right, Andrew. You said a second ago that the movie doesn't let him be a hero uh, because at the end it shows kind of the fallout of, um, uh, you know, th the decision he made to like be the good guy, so to speak. Um, but like they really, they spend a lot of time like Sinise like lays out like step by step. Like if you don't take the million dollars and mm -hmm. you don't do everything I'm telling, like this is all the good stuff that can happen to you. Your son will be happy. You, you know, all this type yeah. of stuff. And so Cage makes the decision not to do that, knowing full well that if enough attention is paid to him, I think they even say that earlier in the movie, that all of the corruption from his past is going to come out of him. And so like he can't, it, it's almost more, or it's, it's, it's heroic in a way because he makes this decision mm -hmm. to turn away from this million dollar. Like he, basically he just does for once the non-corrupt thing and, he, and it's really hard. It ends up, you know, by the end of the movie. Of course, at the end of the movie, he gets Carla Gugino. But, uh, you know. That's, and who, uh, some do any that, of sure. us believe that for one second? Um, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I have a hard time picturing, and this isn't, I hopefully not taken as a sexist thing, um, just a woman that looks like Carla Gugino working in like military defense. Like she says, she's like a programmer or something like that. That's a, um, that's a, that's De Palma all the way, baby. Oh, sure. And I love it. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. But I, if I can, if I believe that like this, just, you know, completely gorgeous woman is just like working computer security somewhere then I can. Sure. I'll take that. She gets but it's together also with like, Rick I, Santora. 
I would have been fine with just like a kiss on the cheek at the end. Like that's fine. Yeah. But the idea that like, especially because look at what she risked to uncover corruption. Right. Why would she ever then fall in love with a cr- very corrupt? She, well, she cop? doesn't. She doesn't. But don't you? Th- no, not really. Like, because at the end they say like, "I'll see you in twelve to eighteen months" or something like that. You know, they, yeah. they kiss, but oh. but it's not like they're gonna go get married. No, um, no. But I think they're. I think we're supposed to be like, oh, and there's the love story of this film. And it's like, no, the yeah. love story of this film is Nicolas Cage and Gary Sinise, and no way would this woman. Yeah, she'd be appreciative and maybe want to maybe be more understanding of his flaws than the public <laughs> has been, but she's not going to fuck him. <laughs> Well, well, she um, might. She might. No, there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I mean, maybe she has. Maybe is an idiot. I, well, sure. I don't know why I'm trying to like rationalize through this, but like, I really, I really do think like Nick Cage does something. Yes, he I does don't, an I don't act of heroism. With that. Yeah, in this movie that you don't really see in a in a, it's it's so much more complicated than like like being a what we mm-hmm. thought Gary Sinise was like that style of a hero yeah. where it's just like, this guy is like by the books. He's just doing good. He's great. Not correct. Yeah. Turns yeah. out he's totally the opposite cage who has all the appearance of, and all of the action previously in life of a kind of sleazy, you know, hustler kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like turns it. And so it's like, does he change forever? I don't know. Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he certainly was basking in the glory of, you know, the spotlight of all this briefly mm-hmm. before it was all, you know, the media catches up with them and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, I guess it, it reminds me so like, cause usually with reluctant hero stories, it's like they, they get over their reluctancy and then they're just a hero. Uh-huh. And so it is, it is very, very interesting to, yeah. to acknowledge that people, you know, even when they go through some sort of, you know, life changing event, they're still like, there's still the pieces of the, person they were formerly in there right like mm-hmm. there's it's he's always at conflict right there's, it's i it, think it does it's not something that happens and then he's able to you know bust in with a machine gun and kick ass and take names mm-hmm. like he right. he never ever wants to be there uh yeah. and in a way that i think that makes what he does even you know more impactful mm-hmm. and more important yeah i agree and i think it's it's almost too like uh and I, this was definitely a thing in the nineties because the tabloids were going, you know, full speed ahead, but like, it feels very relevant to 2020 when like somebody will, you know, do something for charity or it goes viral. And then two, two days later, somebody goes through their Reddit history or somebody, yeah, you know, I finds a picture, a tweet thing. from like t- 12 mm-hmm. years ago and then they get canceled and suddenly they're public enemy number one. So like, I don't know it. I, I think, you know, because he was kind of a public figure who would have had this sort of record of, you know, bad stuff. And uh, so in a way, like for him to do this. Yeah. Like is it isn't. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm repeating myself. It's an act of genuine heroism. Like he knows what he's sacrificing. And he knows mm-hmm. this is going to get him into some shit. But it's like it would be wrong to let this go ahead. And so he like, you know, anyways, it goes it I'm, goes with like yeah. the other themes of the movie too i think of like seeing things from different perspectives like he can be also seen from different perspectives like yeah he did a lot of bad stuff and nothing that he does though genuinely heroic like it it doesn't cancel out the really bad shit that he's done too it's just like in that moment he chose a heroic 
thing to do. And you're right. Yeah. Like, it's nice that, like, we see that it's made very clear to him, like, here's what you're sacrificing. And I do think the movie does give us a good idea of what a big deal it is for this guy to say no to a million dollars. And they sh- and right. Cage actually grapples with it, which is another thing, like, Mel Gibson would not do. <laughs> like, <laughs> And, uh, you know... I don't like love the way that epilogue plays out. Like it just feels kind of tacked on, but I think the idea of it where we actually see the consequence of what was promised to him play out is kind of an important thing. And I think, and seeing her gratitude, I think is also important. So, I mean, I think, I think it does, I think it does leave itself open for the possibility of like real growth for him just not Mm -hmm. in this movie (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah and like so going bigger this movie like blowout is about america and Mm -hmm. whoa dude (laughs) well you know in case the massive entire wall of the arena that has the american flag that is predominantly (laughs) featured throughout with the like little tanks and little missile launchers in Mm -hmm. front of it um but the, so the very ending after uh, Carla and Nick, Nick Cage walk away mm-hmm. uh, and it does that, the, the credits roll and there's that terrible Meredith Brooks song. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but it slowly moves in on them building this pillar that has bodies, you know, because they were d- disposing of the bodies in the cement mixer. So mm-hmm. it's like this corruption, th- this uh, violence and all of this is like, you know, literally it's in the foundation of, you know, mm-hmm. this, this thing that they're building this, you know? Uh, and so I, I, you know, I'm probably spinning or whatever, but I do, I do think that De Palma going from this movie and other movies, he views these problems as sort of baked in to the country or just the, our, our, our government or whatever. Um, and irremovable but i think that the type of heroism that nick cage displays in the movie is the only type of uh like it's sort of it's it's what people are actually capable of like nobody's Mm -hmm. capable of really being the perfect guy forever because eventually you fuck it up and then oh it's all out the window but like if you can be even if you're kind of like a sleazy (laughs) at least (laughs) this is how i take it even if you're kind of a sleazy shitty guy in general you can make one really great choice and like sacrifice mm-hmm. or decision and like that's heroic in its way and it might not be lauded by you know mm-hmm. the press or whatever and it might not even ever be noticed by anybody you know mm-hmm. but it's like you still did a positive thing and i don't know uh i feel like the more the deeper we get into like the political problems of our day um and i mean the 90s was also rife with political scandal and stuff uh but uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of the perspective I've also come to take on some of this stuff is it's just like you just want people to do the right thing when they're in these positions and mm-hmm. then they can get on with their life and uh, go somewhere else. Go back, I don't know. Go I'm back to being a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> just go ahead. <laughs> you know, I can, you know, uh, well, yeah, I, we don't need to. <laughs> I was thinking there's there's somebody prominent in politics right now who was also, you know, a big Atlantic City figure, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. so, you know, um, I, who are you talking about? I haven't been watching the news for the last four years. Kamala or Kamala. Um, but no, but I mean, like all people are pieces of shit and flawed. And yeah. so, well, the two, two, um, <laughs> uh, well, except Denise. Denise is really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but no, I don't know. Anyways, that's, I think that there's like, I don't know how much of that is in the movie. I don't know how much of that they were, they were thinking, but like when I watch this movie, it's like, I don't see that in a lot of movies and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I thought yeah. he was, he yeah. was definitely a very interesting protagonist. Yeah. Um, and Nicholas Cage, I think is the right guy to play that protagonist also. He's great. I love yeah. him. So the part uh, towards the beginning of the movie where he's talking to the, um, I can't remember the character actor's name, but he's a guy that's in a lot of stuff. He plays Luis Guzman. The, no, um, it's the guy who he's, he's like, uh, kind of like the, he's, he's the one media guy that they let Kevin film. Dunn. It's oh, Kevin that's Dunn. Kevin dude. Dunn. That's, okay. Yeah. That's Kevin Dunn. Okay. I didn't know who Kevin Dunn was. Um, <laughs> Kevin, it's a done deal. Kevin Dunn. <laughs> so they, um, uh, he's, he tells him Lou, um, that he can be the only media and, and he's like, congratulations, Lou, you're the guy. And then he kind of like, <laughs> uh, goes up the stairs and just kind of forgets about it. There's a lot of little cageisms in throughout the movie, but that was I like love, the one that just made me chuckle this time. I love when he says, when, when Carla Gugino is telling him that his friend is not a good, good guy. Yeah. And he goes, he's like in shock. He's like, he's one of the most honorable dudes on the planet. Like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Because it's like that, it's funny and it's like very Nicolas Cage and it's not at all a cliche of how someone would talk in a scene like this. But yeah. it's also like, it's how, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like that's how a person, that's how people actually talk. I do think De Palma's like, he's, he, I mean, and that could be, you know, Cage kind of putting his own stank on that line, but Mm. Uh, you know, I also liked when when she says I'm naive, and then he says there's worse things to be, like yeah, which almost in a way seems seems like forgiving himself because he was too. You wouldn't have thought that he was, yeah. but apparently he was. What is it like to be in in that scene with somebody doing that? <laughs> right, like it's like I thought she no was one else. No, she yeah. is. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's a great scene. I'm just saying, like, it's so, it must be so, as an actor, it must be so different than anything else you've experienced yeah. like, to be in a scene where a man is talking like that. And it's just like, this isn't what movie actors do. <laughs> With, like, I feel like it probably feels like when a talk show host has, like, an animal, like a zookeeper on and they bring all <laughs> the animals or something like that. Like, Nick Cage is just, like, flying well, all over the place and you're just like, oh. We've watched three Cage movies for this podcast, and we've asked kind of that same question every (laughs) time of like, or like complimented the people who are in scenes with him for like, hey, they went with it. They made it work. But it's I was thinking because this is in a casino, I was thinking about leaving Las Vegas and that like security cam kind of shot of him like flipping the table, which was like totally he didn't tell people he was going to do that. And there and I mean, I don't know, at least according to him. There's a waitress in that scene, like walking behind him, who falls to the ground when he does that, as if his elbow knocked him over, knocked her over, which I don't think it really did. But she kind of like throws her tray in the air and like goes to the ground. And I'm like, if she really didn't know that that was going to happen and then had the instinct to like, I should fall down. Like, that's amazing. Like, good on that lady who's just like a background player walking by with a tray of drinks. And it like, it's really cool. That's funny. But yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so when that scene where they're on the stairs, like, um, the, the, so she's crying and then kind of the fear and like, sort of like not cynicism, but like the, uh, sort of, uh, 
the accept like she's accepting her fate because she she's like oh okay so you're yeah. friends with him he you're, yeah. you know him you're friends with it like you know like mm-hmm. she's just like oh shit like this you know this is this entire night for her has just gone completely haywire and insane and then she finds this guy who he's a police officer and he's like investigating and she tells him the truth yeah and then his reaction is just like ah oh, crap that's like my best friend and so she mm-hmm. thinks like he's going to yeah you know probably murder her or something and she's just <laughs> on the stairs like uh, you know, he's caging it up and then she, but I, I thought she did very, uh, and yeah. And then good. she's like, you're right. He, I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah. Exa- yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Like she's really scared of what's yeah. going to happen. It was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, only uh, when, it's only when there's a, 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 a he realizes a detail that he cannot mm-hmm. possibly, like he can't possibly ignore that. And then he, yeah, he's like mad at her. Well, yeah, I think that there's an interesting tension too. Like he's a detective and I think that's kind of important to it because, yeah when he realizes there's an inconsistency in her story, he like can't ignore right. it that her glasses yeah. well, were still on when she saw him. And what, what is, what is also interesting is that it's sort of unclear what his motives, like, I feel like his motives change moment to moment for the rest of the movie because he, um, he locks her in that cell mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. helping her get out the door. Right. And, and then he goes and refuses to tell uh, fake Kevin Dunn uh, what, where she is. And then mm-hmm. even when he's walking back to her, it, it, it is sort of, I think the movie maybe is telling us that he may or may not be leading him to her. Like there's hmm. some it, it doesn't like he definitely sees him after the first yeah lightning crack or what or with or the lightning flash right and he it's not like he spins around and you know mm-hmm. says you know some yeah sort I don't of, know what if he's just like literally like well I'm out of options yeah or exactly like but he's got what? Like he's got he's gotten this far he's on he's he could be you know a, a, a gust of wind would kill him at this point and it's yeah like, i think he's like out of his mind a little bit too yeah yeah so um yeah i like that though i like that i don't i you know it's he he even though he seems to decide to help her it still seems to always be a conflict until the hand of god uh basically solves the situation for him so right. maybe that's mm-hmm. important yeah, that's a good point. Maybe yeah. that it, maybe it's as much as I did not it felt clunky to me. I'm kind of thinking maybe it's important to the character that he never actually does anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but most he does is like when he's being beat up, he doesn't he doesn't reveal where she is. So like yes, he right. does that. But then you're right, he does end up in unintentionally leading him to her and yeah maybe maybe well, it would be too maybe they didn't want a scene of him like throwing his body in front of her as like gary sinise tries to kill her or something even though right. he kind of does you know, like it would be that's too over that's too heroic for brian de palma <laughs> yeah well and it's it's weird we don't really know why he's going like to go see her like after he's been beaten and the mm-hmm. guy the Gary Sinise is like I'll be back in 30 minutes and then pats him on the back like I don't know that because C- Cage is aware of the tracking devices because they establish that in the first 10 minutes with the security guard as he wanders off and Sinise shows him his little thing mm-hmm. and he's like oh look at you James Bond or something um, but I don't know that he knows when he pats him on the back 
that he's put a tracking device on him, but it's surely he would be like, well, I wonder why they left me here for 30 minutes after mm-hmm. beating me mercilessly. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if he knows, but then we, we don't know as a audience, why does he go, why does he decide then to get up and go, I guess, let her out and get her out of the building. I, I think don't, so. we don't really know what he was going to do. So yeah, that's, I hadn't considered that he was possibly deliberately leading Sinise to, I don't her. think he, I don't um, think he is. Yeah. I, because, he, but he knows he knows. But he Gary knows Sinise that he's is being behind. followed. Yes, right. But he's also in a hallway. Like, there's nothing. There's really nothing he could do. There's yeah. I think he's. I like. What could he do if he turns around? Sinise can shoot him. There's only one door at the end of this hallway. Like Sinise already knows. Right. Where she is. So then, why doesn't Gary Sinise just shoot him right there? Solve well, his problem. Well, he doesn't want to kill him. Cause he see and that's see I don't know if he really I don't know if he really cares yeah. whether he has to kill him or he not just, because he, yeah. the only reason he lets him live in the previous scene is to lead him to her. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> I almost wish that the set piece at the end was grander. Now, like I I, I always mm-hmm. wanted that because it would it would make the third act feel more like the se- the first and second, but like. I think some of these things would be easier to brush aside if it was in service of some sort of like really cool thing that happens at the end. But when it's to really me, like you're saying, mm-hmm. like just sort of an accident that this car comes plowing into the building and then the camera people run up and I don't know. It seems yeah, like it's, it's going loose. for like, I don't know, like North by Northwest or vertigo or something like it's like, that's, I mean, maybe just cause it's De Palma, but that like, okay, the most kind of Hitchcocky part of the movie to me is like that end scene of him being followed and seeing the shadow of the right. guy who's chasing him. And he's like, you know, uh, uh, basically at the edge of a cliff, you know, metaphorically speaking. And, but then it, yeah, it doesn't really like, again, we're on the ground floor. That's weird. Right. Like it's weird that we're street level. <laughs> it's weird that she hasn't just stepped over that ball and walked out of that room and run away. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's a, it's, pro- it's a problem for the movie, I think, but, but, uh, well, <laughs> I tried. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I, st- no, I still think, I think, you I ha- enjoy I think so that's much the, the best, that... but that's the best explanation we've got that maybe the that you could be onto something that the like act of god is part of it like yeah that he didn't he wanted it to be kind of a coincidence that this works out yeah well Which i is appreci- hard. Like, i appreciate that's not satisfying i appreciate de palma's uh commitment to the character at least if yeah. not, if not for the story, at least the, I feel like the character seems like there's a, a, a real consistency. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't have a lot of notes left. I had a few things that I kind of chuckled at, mm-hmm. uh, when at the beginning, when, uh, Luis Guzman like hops that fence, he's like running down the stairs and he hops the fence <laughs> and, then, uh, Cage comes around the corner. He's like, you kind of went the stupid way, didn't you? And uh, <laughs> yeah. Guzman, uh, he cut his hand and he's like, ow, 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 I got a cut. <laughs> no, it's um, a, a ketchup packet. What? I thought it's we were going to find packet. out how he got oh. the... It wasn't blood? No. I didn't get that oh. at all. 
I thought Why he was he taking ketchup? a piece of glass from his hand. Oh. But that was a ketchup packet. I thought it was a ketchup packet. No, it's definitely <laughs> so just... blood because. Oh, okay. Because the that I, really, that I, re I remember thinking, why is he carrying ketchup on him? <laughs> that bloody hundred dollar bill, like, pl is a symbol for the rest of the film. So it's got to be oh, blood, yes. right? The the, the the yeah, the bloody hundred dollar bill. That was that was a bit much, I would say. Yeah, yeah, blood blood money on the ground. <laughs> what are you yeah. trying to say here, Brian De Palma? Not a light touch, mm -mm. but you know. Um, you know what? There's I also there's also a massive flag in that scene uh, behind them. Which, anyways, what were you gonna say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you guys criticized that friggin' friggin' Avatar, or whatever, for the the, the big flag so, behind the dude. That's so the same, stupid. The same shit. Um, it's not though. It's in the interior <laughs> design. Shh. shh, shh, shh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I really liked? I liked in that in that opening shot. Uh, I love his commitment not to break, uh, to cut is so intense that he, uh, in order to like get a different camera angle to get a, to get a different shot, he rotates the camera, the camera. To, yeah. a, to a Dutch angle just so yeah. he can get Luis Guzman in the shot. Just, I thought that was so cool. It was so, <laughs> so slick and yeah. totally, and totally, totally works. The Absolutely camera works. moves in this movie, like obviously they're always great in De Palma, but like not even just in the one but like in the boxing scene from the, from the, when the boxing guy is narrating, I'm like, God, the way that he's moving this camera is so beautiful. He's just mm -hmm. like a dancer. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. There are like, I, I feel like there aren't any, in, in, in some ways the shots are like, like there's, there's that, there's that shot in blowout that like, just drives me crazy and how good it is with where mm -hmm. the, it goes the from the the the, yeah, the murder up to the street up to that dude's apartment like it's yeah. mm -hmm. it's incredible it blows my mind every time uh because it's just these these should be three shots by right. him <laughs> but but he figured out how to make them one also that's just like i feel like to walk onto the location that day like you're you're setting up or whatever to shoot and and or, or maybe they you know they discovered it beforehand but just like just Finding that spot and just find it, just realizing that you could put the camera here and accomplish everything that you need to say mm -hmm. in one shot. It just must have been like, oh, must have felt so good. <laughs> um, but anyway, like uh, there are like really, really incredible shots where it would like go from like a, a wide, like a wider shot and then like just panning and then it just becomes like a really tight shot. Like it's like a, it's like a pan and a zoom at the same. It's just like, there's very, there's very intense precision work, uh, happening that I think maybe people don't realize as impressive at, or realize is as impressive as some of the other, like, just like not cutting or whatever, just like the, the long one or, but there are, there are really, 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 really cool shots in this movie that are very unassuming is what I want to say. Uh, um... Yeah. Speaking of, and I do I'm like, think there are cuts in that that what appears to be a one or absolutely, beginning. absolutely, yeah, okay, yeah, there are, there's, there's, they're, they're hid, they're hidden, they're hidden in in yeah. in uh, whip pans and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I'm zooming through North by Northwest right now, real quick, and 
there's a shot that they just did in like a train station. I don't know if it's like where, but it's like it's like watching a De Palma movie. It's so crazy. Really? <laughs> like there's a shot where I'm like, is that did he copy that in Blowout? Like that's so. It's That's so another... similar, and again, like the camera moves. But I was looking for a particular scene where he's walking through that, like, ugh. it's through like a tr- industrial train car, and it's like this gray metal hallway where he ends up running into the girl because he's trying to hide for anyway sorry and i was like that's what that's that scene remind i'm like i know it's reminding me of something in north by northwest and i think it's this anyway sorry i haven't seen north by northwest in like 15 years i need to watch that again that's one thing i really liked about today guys was seeing uh because the whole movie felt very de palma or very hitchcock e to me hitchcockian whatever um Mm. so it was it's very cool to see a movie that is this glossy and this modern feeling, it makes me uh, also be like very much uh, in line with a lot of like Hitchcock's stuff. So it'd be cool to see. It makes me want to watch more De Palma, re- like more of his recent movies. Um, not because I think they'll be good, but just to see like how does that look? Like I haven't seen what is it, Black Dahlia or whatever since we saw it in the theaters, and it was horrible. Um, but I was also unaware of Alfred Hitchcock in 2004 it or seems five or whatever. It's strange hmm. that he could make a horrible movie. How could he make a horrible movie? It's the- really weird. And it's, it's like even his worst movies are still visually gorgeous. Like they're made so well. But it's just like, I feel like with Raising Cain, uh, what was the one that was? There's a handful that just like, I don't know. Oh, Passion. Yeah. Or just the stories like just don't make much sense and it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to say, although it's it's so we've watched what I feel are three very good ones. Uh, Femme Fatale was one that I considered to put in this uh, triple feature. I think it's it's a little more on the side of the story it doesn't make a ton of sense. But like there's some stuff like if you're thinking about rewatching some of his stuff just for visuals, Andrew, or or either of you, if you're just interested in more. Like Femme Fatale has some of, I don't know, some of his best work, but it's just like it's it has scenes that are just on par with stuff that he's done in the movies we've watched. Like it's just there's some really, really good stuff in that movie. I think it's pretty underrated, too. Okay, but uh, so put it on your list. Have you seen Femme Fatale? You said you said you I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I I watched it in like high school or something, and I did not not like it. Um, Okay, but. I'm a big boy now, so maybe I'll like it. Yeah, and it's I don't think it's like going to be like a blowout or a Phantom of the Paradise type of thing where it's like everything fires on all cylinders, but it's just if you watch it just for the filmmaking of it, I think that you'll like Yeah. Time. yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely stuff I don't like I don't like his gangster movies. I don't like Carlito's Way. I don't really? like I don't like Scar Scarface. I'd like to watch Carlito's Way again, I think, just to see if I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just wasn't for me. There's a there's but similar to what you're saying about Femme Fatale, like there's an incredible shot in it's like in a in one of the clubs or it's been a while since I've seen it, but there's like it's just like a spinning shot that starts from like the top of this set and it's sort of like the Goodfellas shot. 
and it's just, right. it's just like following the characters down the stairs, down the stairs. And there's just all this shit happening. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, yeah. Scarface. I really, I don't know. I haven't seen that again since high school, but I did not like that either. So I haven't seen Car- uh, Scarface since high school either. And I was pretty so on it, but I did watch Carlito's way fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And I actually thinking about it now with snake eyes, I think Carlito's way, it was really good. There's lots of stuff in that okay uh visually that i think you'll you'll enjoy but then also um thinking about with snake eyes it also has a very interesting hero like or protagonist i guess i should say De Palma he's likes trying it. to get out what's that De Palma loves it carlito's way yeah he's a he loves, okay yeah i, I think he it's, he yeah he says a good some, movie he says something about how it's like that was where like everything like worked really well for him like it all okay. just kind of came together uh yeah I think he's talking about like in terms of like working with a studio and working with big budget and uh, and having like big movie stars and it just and and also getting to like do his own thing. Maybe I right. will watch that again because that it's uh, it's definitely worth a rewatch. I would say okay. Um, but yeah, I've never seen Black Dahlia. I would like to watch Black Dahlia. You should watch it. Uh, it's on maybe, the list. For maybe sure. I'll maybe when before you do, maybe I'll watch it too. Because I think it'd be fun to talk about. It is not good. It's really, okay. if I recall, it's very pretty, um, and like the cast is really impressive. Uh, Josh Hartnett aside, like look at this cast: this Scarlett Johansson, Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank, Mike Starr's back. Love right. that dude. Who else is in it? Bunch of other people that I recognize. Anyway. Yeah, we should talk about that one at some point. All right, cool. Maybe not for this, but uh, it would be fun to talk about just as friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I've got... So Lincoln Tyler is the name of the boxer. I just noted that's also the name of an assassinated president. They they mentioned Two. Kennedy. Lincoln, uh, which, which, what number president was Lincoln Tyler? Well, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, 16. Tyler, there was a president, Tyler. He was the 10th yeah. president, right? Mm-hmm. Let me look. But there was a was. president, Tyler. Okay, yeah. Um, so, no, but I mean, Lincoln is the name of the assassinated president, not Lincoln Tyler. Thank you, though, in case our listeners have gotten confused. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I liked the, the slice, the segment where he's telling his slice of the story. Uh, and uh, Kit pointed out that actor was really good, Stan Shaw. Um... Did you guys have any little stragglers? I do. Oh, the Malcolm in the Middle guy, David Anthony Higgins, who plays like the guy that she oh, yeah. mm-hmm. gets to take up to her uh, his room. Yeah, I like that dude. Yeah. I, I have a straggler. Um, you got a straggler? What you got? So I got very distracted, but in the middle of the oneer, um, this watch and basically went away from the movie for like 20 minutes, probably, maybe longer, because I saw that the music was by... Um, Ryuichi Sakamoto who is like a true like godfather of electronic music he was in the Yellow Magic Orchestra with Harumi Hosono and he's also like the arranger and collaborator and player on one of my favorite and like co-producer of one of my truly like my favorite like one of the best albums I've ever heard by uh, Taiko Anuki Sunshower so it's like Brian De Palma has very good taste in (laughs) people he asks to 
Oh, uh, hell yes. Movies. The dude Interesting. Who, one of the writers on Black Dahlia is also one of the writers on Avatar 2. <laughs> oh, good. Can't free him away. Oh, my wait. God. I'm um, okay, I didn't realize. So that, that's the guy that did the score for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I didn't realize he had all those connections. Because you he's sent me very of, cool. some of that music. He's... You and Lee have sent me stuff. Yeah, he's with like... He's collaborated with like David Bowie and Thomas Dolby and Brian Eno, and he did a he wrote a song that like, like Michael Jackson could just like in terms of like, truly like, establishing electronic music as a genre. He's pretty damn important. Yeah, yeah, and the music is really good in this. I did I did notice that, but I didn't even think to look into who did it. Any other little stragglers, or should we, is it time for the cruise minute? Oh baby, let's do it. All right. What you got? I don't Tom, have Tom Cruise should be Gary Sinise's about. character. Yeah, that could have been interesting. Yeah, because then you wouldn't know he was evil immediately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be you'd still be rooting for him, though, even after the fact. Don't you want Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage to be friends on something? Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, I got a couple things we could talk about. Um, I just I always Google Tom Cruise news before we uh, start this segment. A uh, couple things. Tom Cruise follows Megan Fox on Twitter. Cool. That's cool. I right. mean, I, Tom Cruise doesn't run his own Twitter, but uh, anyway, thought that was funny. Uh, and then this week, although this won't be news anymore by the time people listen to this, but uh, this week, uh, Tom Cruise drove a motorcycle off a cliff mm-hmm. and then jumped oh, off yes. and uh, with a parachute. That's one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. <laughs> we also we also haven't talked about the mo- him going to see Tenet on this podcast, which seems like something we should capture. Um, I thought we talked about it last week. Last, we didn't. Uh, what is he? He says back to the movies. Back at the back to the movies, and then when we yeah. sat at our in our friends like backyard theater to watch Mulan last week, uh, Lee like whispered that to me like as the movie started. <laughs> <laughs> back to the movies. Back to the movies. It's good to be movies. back at the movies. Oh, here's another um, here's another here's another piece of news, uh, which we may or may not have talked about. How that uh, Tom Cruise uh, rented a five hundred thousand dollar yacht. Oh yeah, for the Mission Impossible crew to sleep on, so that way they could stay quarantined and not have any more uh, delays, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Imagine getting to to live on a boat with Tom Cruise. I mean, I guess if you join uh, Scientology and you're on Sea Org with him at some point, yeah. then that would be kind That's of like all about. Do you think the the Mission Impossible boat is like Sea Org two or something? Yeah, I was gonna say. I wonder if he's like gonna secretly roll them all into the uh, the organization. Yeah, yeah. You can't get off the boat unless you. Nah, I think he'd. I think he'd convince me. Oh yeah, I'd be in for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I would at least. I would at least. I would at least in the moment be like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. Well, I mean, I would be in a position where it would be pay, like pay I for the first between, ten courses. Yeah, yeah. I, my 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 choice would be either the Pope or Tom Cruise. It's like that's a pretty easy choice for me to make. Um, I feel like but, the Pope uh, would be boring. Yeah, no, I wouldn't hang out with the Pope. I would hang out with Tom Cruise for sure. I mean, if the Pope invited me over, I would go. I might. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's it, a cool house. It is a cool. I house. I think you'd want to go yeah. to the Vatican, right? 
I've been to the See, Vatican. Yeah, I've been there. He's been there. We we've both been there. Been there, done that. That's what Mike and I exactly. say about the Vatican. I've never been. Francis to wasn't even home. I had a Coke Zero in the uh, in the courtyard area at the Vatican. That was pretty cool. Nice. And I wasn't allowed to leave this tent because they didn't want me to spill any Coke on. Me. <laughs> well, they were right. They right. were right to be worried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were right to be worried. Uh, yeah, Vatican's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't see the Pope there, but I definitely felt his presence all around me. There was somebody in a movie I was watching made a point that they've never lost a Pope to assassination. <laughs> we've lost like we've lost like so all many right. presidents compared got, comparatively. I got, I got an idea for a movie. It's about a. It's about a. Uh, 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 like cold as cold as steel, streets streetwise, uh, Swiss guard, and uh, one of his one of his lines is, "I've never lost a pope." <laughs> we haven't lost a pope yet. Oh, I we're read not, we're, uh, we'll be that is pretty we're funny. Lose one on my watch. There's only yeah. been like there's only been like two max in his lifetime, probably. But I <laughs> I was reading last night about assassination attempts on Queen Victoria, and they were like. 10 and all well, of them basically what there have been attempts on popes there just hasn't been a yes to my knowledge yes. not a success but one. yeah the ones on queen victoria were very funny to read about because they were virtually all when she was just like getting in her carriage yeah like and like none of them were close to being successful in fact the person who who the only one of them who injured the queen hit her on the head with a cane yeah. Like he didn't even he didn't use a gun, but like the number of times that old timey guns, holy shit, did those things apparently misfire yeah. a lot. Oh, and then yeah. a lot of times it's it's it was interesting reading about they also like didn't I think they didn't kill any of the people who attempt who made the attempt. They all were like some were like only sentenced to like 18 months of hard labor. And then oh. a lot of them were like shipped to Australia, but nobody they didn't hang anybody. That's nice. Um, yeah. And it was a bunch of young guys, some of them crazy, a couple of them Irish of course. and mad at England. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. They were very funny. It was just like people just like six feet away, like pointing a gun at her and <laughs> then people wrestling them to the ground and like, anyway. Huh. Well, I'm glad she made it. <laughs> I really think I got a good idea here with this Pope, this Pope movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a White House down style. Heck, just do the next, the next Vatican the fourth, down. The fourth uh, Olympus has fallen movie yeah. could mm -hmm. be about the Pope. There's four of, there's three of those. I thought there were only two. No, there's, there's, there's. What's after London has fallen? Angel has fallen. Who's that? So this is actually that's not the Pope. <laughs> I know. So here's this is what's interesting <laughs> about that movie. The movie was originally going to be about. Air Force One, they were going to be on Air Force One, and then there was uh -huh. so it's like a remake of Air Force One, and then they changed the movie to be a completely different thing, but then didn't change the title for some reason. So I don't know who Angel is. Well, now huh. I gotta know. Do you think that they changed it because of Air Force One, or because Trump became president, or I don't know. The movie's pretty recent, so I mean, it came out like last year, or the year before. Angel has fallen. I think, uh, but there's Trump... gonna be there's gonna be a fourth one, and I think that they should do it about the Pope. 
So if God, Trump Houston's in that shit. if Trump does not get reelected, I think because he's already famous, they should just put him in, in the fourth movie and have him star as himself in another like he, Air Force One gets taken type of movie. That would be he, cool. He would do it. Yeah, I think yeah, he'd be. I mean, he's he's like anybody. You could throw like thirty terrorists at him, and he would just be like making. He wouldn't. Out he wouldn't even huge. need. To, he wouldn't even need to get into shape because he's already there. No, he's already. He has a beast. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Angel refers to Gerard Butler. All right, cool. I buy it because it says the plot follows United States Secret Service agent Mike Banning as he races against time to clear his name after being framed for a drone attack on the president. Yeah. Okay. S- some some so friggin- like and I mean he is the guardian angel of the president in a certain sense. Okay, so he's like some analog dad is accused of a drone attack. <laughs> There's like like dude probably barely knows how to set up a VCR and he's accused of a of a highly coordinated drone attack. You know, dad's got to watch movies too. So. Maybe that'll be my next triple. They, dad's love dad drones. The has fallen movies. Oh. Oh okay. God! Can we work? Can we do White House Down instead? I I genuinely love White House Down. Yeah, White House Down rules. You loved it? Yeah, it's great. It's that's a great movie. It's, it's just great. super I've fun. I've seen it. It's very good. I, I like don't. It. I don't know. I, I can tell that you here. loved it too. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Slow motion triple feature was recorded in the cozy surveillance room of an Atlantic City casino during a tropical storm. Special thanks to our producer Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Also, be sure to join us next week when we'll be watching 2006's uh, Superman 2 The Donner Cut.